Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that I call Mobile Syrup's teen correspondent, is once again across the internet from me because we are recording remotely. Brad, how are you doing? I'm good. I've uploaded myself into cyberspace and I'm just, uh, my digital form is treating me much better than my uh, I want to say like corporeal body, if that's the right word, but I could be wrong. How are you? This this sounds like the plot to the uh, to the next Matrix or something like that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, I would like to see uh, more Keanu Reeves. So I'm looking forward to that movie. Um, nice. We also have Brad Shankar with us on the podcast today. A another Brad, the one true Brad. How are you doing, Brad? Uh, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, looking forward to talking about some video games. So. As promised last week, I know we briefly talked about this. Um, This podcast is entirely focused on video games. We're going to be talking about the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition now that we have all the pricing. We're also going to talk about the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S and the different strategies that both Sony and Microsoft have with both uh, sets of consoles or not so different strategies, but we'll get into that. There's a lot to unpack, Um, but first I I just want to since we have two Brads on the podcast this week, henceforth, Brad Shankar will be referred to as Brad and Bennett. Um, and the other Brad who is on the podcast every week as my co-host will be referred to as Bennett. I just, just want to make that clear so <laughs> listeners aren't, aren't, aren't confused. I know sometimes we call him Bennett um, on, on previous episodes, but I, I just want to make that clear. Um, and then without further ado, Bennett, do you want to hit us with the hottest news of the week? Oh, I'm burning up. Got a couple of gaming news related or gaming. I got some gaming news this week because that's the theme and then some other regular stuff. But first off, Microsoft buys uh, ZeniMax Studios, which is Bethesda. So uh, I'm sure you guys will probably take this one away. But essentially, Microsoft bought one of the biggest video game publishers out there, I guess. I want to say it's like fourth biggest, not counting Microsoft or Sony, but Huge move for Microsoft, uh, big implications probably down the line throughout the industry because all these games that were previously available to everyone uh, may be first party now. We don't really know. Um, you know, what do you guys think about uh, think about that purchase? Brad, do you, you want to take first? this? I know you have tons of thoughts. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I think it's a great move, um, you know, from ZeniMax perspective. There have been a lot of think pieces about it, you know, published in the last couple of days. But like from ZeniMax perspective, it is a great way to, you know, when you are bought by a major company, especially one like Microsoft, it does afford you a lot of stability. Uh, you know, AAA development uh, especially is quite uh, unstable in some uh, some respects. Uh, and, you know, having Microsoft, you know, one of the biggest corporations around backing you 
gives you a lot more like peace of mind and freedom to just kind of innovate and focus on game development. You don't really have to worry about the the business side of things. Microsoft will basically take care of all that. Uh, and in terms of development talent, it it gives them uh, Zenimax when factoring in all of the development studios. They have eight for context, eight major studios that Microsoft's going to get, uh, as well as like Zenimax proper employees. Microsoft's going to get over twenty three hundred people, so that's a lot of like AAA talent across the the board. Uh, you know, you have studios like um, Bethesda proper, which does Fallout, Elder Scrolls. They're doing Starfield, that upcoming sci fi game. Uh, id software which does doom arcane studios which does dishonored uh etc so and there's actually uh i actually overlooked it at the time but alpha dog games one of the eight studios they acquired is in halifax uh they're a mobile game developer bethesda acquired them late last year and then bethesda game studios uh is actually broken up into several teams around the world so they consider like eight major studios but some of those teams have subdivisions right and bethesda also has a team in montreal uh, which so far it seems like it's just a support team, but I was on their website earlier today and they are hiring for a lot of positions. So uh, who knows what'll come out of them, but uh, yeah, Microsoft basically is getting a lot of developer talent for it. And, you know, for a company that's been criticized in the Xbox one era for not having a lot of exclusives, like this is a great way to come out and be like, we are committed to games. Like you, no one can really look at this and say otherwise. Right. It's just so weird that they own Obsidian and Bethesda now. <laughs> it is it is strange. Um I, I was just gonna say that I'm looking forward to playing as the Master Chief in Doom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw people talking about using the Doom engine for Halo games. I thought that was a smart call or could be a smart That'd call. That'd be fascinating. Sorry, I was just gonna Go say ahead. one of the, the head of the Xbox marketing, uh, I believe, he actually tweeted when they made this announcement that we could actually do our own Smash Bros now with Xbox properties. <laughs> Uh, oh, so, geez. you know, you, you mentioning, uh, Master Chief and, uh, the Doom guy that could actually be a crossover that happens now in like a smash type game or just, you know, some other kind of thing, but just thought it was a funny observation. I think one of the biggest questions still unanswered is, is what's going to end up being exclusive and, and I uh-huh. guess really what, what isn't, I have a feeling that it's at, at least in some cases going to be a Minecraft approach where like these games are going to come to all consoles, but like Microsoft didn't drop this. I think it was seven point five billion. Yeah. Um, to not at least make some marquee titles like I don't know the next Fallout or the next uh, Elder Scrolls exclusive to the Xbox. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, depending on how that all like plays out. No, I Definitely. think PS4 is screwed here for these games. Like part of my language, I guess. But Xbox or Microsoft has PCs and Xboxes, and if you can play starfield on one of those two devices uh plus like game streaming i guess at that point when it comes out hopefully it'll be more prevalent i don't think those games are coming to playstation like microsoft has been like dealing with just blow after blow after sony puts out like amazingly high rated playstation games uh well putting out almost nothing in return so i think they're just like aching to kind of throw that back in sony's face yeah uh basically the next thing moving away from gaming for a second but uh They've just been like sweeping the internet. Um, iPhone users are finally through a kind of crazy and convoluted and probably not worth it roundabout method. iOS users are finally able to customize their home screens. That means uh, widgets with custom images, um, shortcuts to apps using whatever kind of image you want for that app icon. So while it looks super cool, you know, you can have 
uh, an iPhone 11 that basically looks like it has all the apps from the iPhone one, but each time you like click on one of those apps, it has to kind of go through like a two-step process to sort of like tell the shortcuts app that it wants to open uh, whatever other app you're trying to open and then open that app. So it kind of slows your phone down quite a bit, but uh, Apple's opened up customization on iOS and just based upon how popular it is uh, since iOS 14 came came to be, I would I wouldn't be surprised if iOS 15 had some more customization options just to sort of appease people. It seems so so difficult to do, and like it looks cool, but just the idea of okay, sure, it'll look neat. I can make my phone look like iOS 8 or whatever, but then I have to wait longer for apps to open and stuff like that because they're actually just running through shortcuts. I, I yep. could never do it. It would just it would just drive me crazy. Um, but you're at, you're actually going to do sort of a how to or a story about this um, that should possibly be live by the time this podcast goes up. I think. Um, I think it'll be after. I think it's going to come out on like Saturday around two thirty. Okay, cool, fair enough. So if you are looking forward, it'll be shortly after that. So you can look at this, then you can go, you can go read that. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, if you don't know what shortcuts are, they're basically these little triggers that Apple put into iOS 13 that allow you to sort of create your own processes within the phone. So um, I only have one. I wrote an article about shortcuts. So you could read about it. I only have one currently, and it's just like a laundry timer. So it just looks like an app icon. It says laundry timer. And then uh, once you tap on it, it just starts a timer for an hour and 40 minutes, which is how long my dryer takes. Boom, good to go that's what shortcuts are like meant for. Um, but like, if you wanted that laundry timer icon to open up another app, it could, but yeah, it's an interesting thing, but, uh, it, it definitely appears like iOS people have been customizing or have been wanting to customize their phones for a long time. But yeah, I mean, actually, I guess kind of in the gaming van, I did see a cool one the other day that was kind of skinned to look like the original Xbox 360 dashboard or maybe the second iteration. Uh, it was very cool. You've changed my entire opinion on this. I'm going to go do that after this podcast. The 361? Yeah, the 361 oh, was yeah. cool. I'll see if I can find a link to send you later. Um, the best bit of news is actually pretty interesting, but it's a new phone from Samsung called the S20 FE, which stands for Fan Edition. Um, yeah, it's basically an S20 with like a lot of the good specs that you want, like a big battery, a decent camera, a 120 hertz screen, I believe, headphone jack, uh, built into sort of the body of the Samsung Galaxy S20. Um, but there are some other things pulled out of it. I don't think there's 5G in it, if I'm correct. It's got a Snapdragon 865, but not the 5G version. So I think it starts at, uh, I have it up here one second. Let's just see what Dean wrote. It also comes in six pretty cool colors, which I think are awesome. Um, but yeah, basically, this is Samsung competing with, you know, the iPhone SE with this name FE. Oh, no, it does have 5G. I was wrong. Sorry. Um, and, you know, the OnePlus Nord and the Google Pixel 4a and this low cost market that's sort of been taking the world by storm this year, partly because, you know, processors are good enough to facilitate it. And also the pandemic is making people want to spend less money. So it's cool to see this like new phone from Samsung. And in Canada, it's going to be 949. So not super cheap, but for as flagship level as it is. It's a lot cheaper than all of the other S20s that were, you know, just way more over. I like the colors. Pardon? You like the colors? Yeah, I think it's cool. Colorful devices are always interesting and exciting. It's weird that it's taken Samsung this long to kind of offer a wider variety of colors. Uh, It does feel strange that this phone's coming out so far after the initial S20s release, though. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, um, I'm wondering if we're going to see some sort of like shakeup with phone releases as, you know, it becomes like less prevalent on following the hardware cycle. You know, previously it was like, okay, new Qualcomm chips came out. Yeah, we need new phones to have those chips. But in this year, it seems like, you know, manufacturers are following that a little less. Yeah. Um, and then the final sort of hottest, hottest news of the week is, uh, and the back to gaming, but it's, uh, you know, Microsoft game streaming is live, but also game streaming will come to iOS at some point. It's said, uh, they also, I think you wrote this, Brad, I'm not sure, but they also were saying something like, um, streaming from the consoles was going to be coming to iOS very soon. So not the X cloud streaming from the cloud, any game and game pass, but streaming games you already owned from your Xbox one console to your iOS device. That's, that's coming soon, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think I saw that this morning. Um, that's pretty much just kind of like Sony's remote play feature, which they've yeah. had on, like you could play, use your Vita to play uh, games from your PS4. Kind of the same idea here uh, with that. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, um, the bigger deal there for sure is bringing uh, xCloud, um, or what was formerly known as xCloud, their game streaming service, uh, to iOS, you know, Apple's... Uh, App Store policies have kind of prevented streaming services like that, the game streaming services specifically, um, from the App Store. But Xbox uh, chief Phil Spencer said that he's like he's insistent that it's going to happen in some way or another. So we don't know exactly how that'll work because Apple basically wants each game to be its own app on the App Store. You know, Game Pass is a service that has over 150 plus games on Android. So according to Apple xbox should have to physically like have to make each game each of those 150 games their own app uh, obviously you, they can monetize it from there so i don't know if i would assume if i uh x cloud did come to ios that it would be like a pared down version like maybe it only has uh select first party games like the master chief collection uh as well as whatever third parties want to you know work with that but yeah it, we'll have to wait and see i guess <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that's the end of um, the hottest news of the week. Let's get into the fun gaming stuff. Um, I did my best to organize this into to different topics. Like we're going to talk about the pricing first, and then go into some of the strategy stuff, and then into exclusives and what games will actually be available at launch. So I, I guess first off, um, we have the PlayStation Five and the PlayStation Five Digital Edition. We have pricing for them now. The PS5 is going to cost $629 in Canada, and the digital edition is $499, which is, at least as far as I'm concerned, a little bit under what I actually expected from both consoles in terms of in terms of the cost. Um, and I also think to some extent that the $499 price for the all digital edition kind of takes the wind out of Xbox's sales a little bit as far as the $379 Series S is concerned. We'll talk about that more later, of course. And it's also worth noting that the PS5 drops on November 12th, while the X and the S drops on November 10th. Uh, I guess just to start things off, Brad, do you want to talk about what you thought of the pricing? Like, was it in line with what what you expected or did Sony sort of undercut um, how much you thought the consoles were going to cost? Uh, I think that was about what I expected. Um, I think, you know... The, the US price is $399 for the digital and $499 for the standard. And I didn't think they were going to go any higher than that because, you know, infamously, 
uh, they they came out with the five ninety nine price tag for USD for the PS three at E three, and that was like a disaster. Uh, it cost way too much. People, they were literally saying, "Oh, get a second job to afford this." Like it was just it was really bad. So I knew they weren't. I had a feeling they weren't going to go any higher than 500. 500 seemed like the sweet spot. Uh, so obviously 630 Canadian. Um, it is $30 more than the Series X, interestingly. So uh, Microsoft was willing to just chop that down a little bit just to get it an even 600. Uh, but I mean, they are priced pretty similarly. And, you know, specs wise, the PS, uh, uh, the Series X is a bit more powerful, you know, with the terra in terms of raw, like teraflops, uh, but the PS5 has other little advantages going for it, like the super fast SSD and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think the price was pretty in line with what I was expecting. Bennett, um, I know you're you're a little, I guess I would say a little less hardcore in the gaming space than 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 Brad and I. Um, what what did you think of the pricing for for the PS5? Like, is it more than you would be willing to spend on picking one up? um like the digital one i like i like the price of the digital console what's what's it 370 no that's xbox 499 uh, what 499 so yeah that i yeah. like sorry that i find like reasonable that's like a new console that's like what i expect to pay is 500 bucks sure it's like a lot of money but you know whatever um i think the biggest issue for me is that like the more expensive consoles has disc have disc drives so I think that's kind of what I would need if I'm replacing my Xbox One X because I like have a couple of Blu-rays and a couple of four-way Blu-rays that like for some reason I bought and now I have. I don't know. The big do question: you, Do you do you buy physical games too? Like, does that matter to you? No, the physical game aspect does not matter okay. to me. Having the 4K Blu-ray player does. Um, so yeah, if I was to buy a new console, I'd probably buy the discless uh, PlayStation. But the the disc full Xbox because I'm sure as we'll get into later the spec differences. Yeah. I would I would just I add you know at. for for my own perspective, uh, obviously there are people like you said you're primarily physical or primarily digital rather. But you know it is important to note for context that game prices are going up. Uh, like Sony already confirmed that the PS5 uh, some of the PS5 games are going to be eighty nine ninety nine Canadian, which is ten dollars more than the MSRP for the current gen games. So. You're looking at about $101 after tax for certain games. So for at launch, we know that includes Demon Souls, the remake, uh, and Destruction All-Stars. Those are both going to be $90. Bucks. Uh, other publishers like 2K are going to do that as well, though some aren't, like Ubisoft, at least right away. Uh, and then other games are, are $80 bucks still, uh, like the Sackboy game, the Little Big Planet one. Uh, so yeah, for me personally, just, you know... Assuming, you know, we're not in a privileged situation where we get the games for review, like uh, I would I would personally still buy physical because one hundred and one dollars for a game is a lot to ask. And, you know, for me personally, especially if it's like a single player game like Demon's Souls, for example, that's not a game I would realistically come back to a lot. So being able to buy it physically and then sell it, trade it in, you know, even give it to a friend and make back even half of that cost for me personally is much more valuable than, you know, saving $130 initially, but then you're stuck with those digital games, right? You can't trade them in, uh, you know, you can't resell them. So, you know, obviously to each his own, you know, whatever situation you're, uh, your people are going to be in different situations. But for me personally, I just, I still want that, that freedom to be able to resell, trade in, et cetera. Economically, yeah, for me, the, the, that... the digital edition consoles, like they work quite well, but 
I also get a lot of uh, codes thrown in my inbox, right, for for stuff that we cover on mobile syrup, and I have for quite some time. When I when I think back to like when I was a teenager or like even into my early 20s, a lot of the way that I uh, afforded to get like pretty much every major game that was coming out was through trading in. Like if I was getting a new console, I would trade in my previous console and all my games Um, or like EB games. I don't know if they still have them used to have these like trade in to get it free deals, stuff like that. That was like Mm -hmm. really important to me and allowed me to experience a lot more than I never would have. So yeah, I, I get the I get the digital angle. I was actually trying to buy pre-order the all digital um, PS5, and and pre-orders were were sold out, uh, like because retailers don't want um, to be selling that particular edition of the console because you cannot buy games from EB Games um, for a digital console. Well, yeah, I guess you could buy like the cards, but we'll get into it later. But you know, for, there's a big difference for me uh, between Xbox, which is primarily selling devices through which you can access game pass which is obviously an all digital service because you know if you're getting if you're let's say you subscribe to game pass to play halo infinite when it comes out next year you're not paying 80 or 90 bucks for it you're you're getting it as part of that 16.99 or or that's the ultimate subscription 11.99 is the base game pass yeah uh so for me it's a lot easier to buy into an all digital system when i'm accessing all the games through a netflix like subscription because uh, I'm, I'm not going to be owning those anyways, right? That's the price you pay, right? You you get the all subs- all in one access to these games, but you don't technically own them. That's that's basically the trade off. But if it it's different for me if it's PlayStation and you know I'm buying Demon Souls or Spider Man or whatever, it's like I'm paying full price for that. I kind of want the freedom to be able to do what I want with that game. Uh, so that that's just kind of how I see it personally. Yeah, buying the discs, um, if, I mean, it depends on how they play. I kind of assume that it's going to be the same as this generation where you kind of have to like install all the data from the disc to the hard drive. Uh, could be cheaper, but also, yeah, like because I don't know about how PlayStation is doing this, but Xbox is using a proprietary memory expansion hard drive thing. So you can't just buy, or maybe you can, but it doesn't seem so like you can just buy external hard drives so like you could before. You can... So what's interesting is like I have um, a, a big feature on the site, just sort of sort of that delves into that a little bit. But you can just pop your your USB 3.0 external hard drive out of the current Xbox and put it into the Xbox Series X and it will work and it will play those games. But what you don't get is the upgrades of the quote unquote velocity architecture SSD technology that Microsoft is pushing with with the Series X. So you wouldn't get the faster load times. I believe you also don't get quick resume so when you say you can just pop the hard drive out what exactly do you mean like do you mean that like ripping apart my xbox and pulling out the hard drive like inside of it no no not not the one inside it like the the external hard drive um if if you're using an external hard drive like just a usb 3.0 whatever you can take that out of your current xbox and just plug it into the series x and it will play all of those games immediately which is kind of cool but you won't get a lot of the next gen benefits that we'll talk about um, in the Xbox section that Microsoft's been pushing. So interesting. Okay. So never mind what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, yeah, maybe you want the disc so you can trade in because buying these like uh, Xbox proprietary like expansion cards, from what I've seen, like rumor wise, they look very expensive. Um, which, yeah, just, yeah, like you said, if you buy the cheaper Xbox, like down the line, you're going to be buying this. And like Brad said, that $120 price difference or whatever it is at the start kind of uh, so goes just, away. Um, just to clarify, uh, so like what with Pat was saying, 
Yeah, you can take like the external hard drives for both consoles and plug them in. However, that only supports previous gen games. Uh, yes. The, so oh, in well, theory, so that 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 feeds that, in never to, mind then. to you know Microsoft's whole strategy about letting you take your games with you. Like if you have you know fifteen different backwards compatible games on your current Xbox One hard drive, you can plug that into your Series X and play them no problem. But because the current like the next gen games take advantage of. Uh, you know, the velocity architecture, SSD or whatever, you need the, that dedicated um, uh, proprietary hard drive that you're mentioning to just plug in and use that. So uh, there is some carryover with the hard drive, but uh, it's not as simple as just plugging in the one you already own just because the games are that much more advanced, right? Uh, well, so I mean, shifting. they should be someday. I don't think <laughs> they are yet. But okay, so that's, yeah, basically, cool. Microsoft's letting you use a hard drive to play Xbox One, Xbox 360, and Xbox One games. To play Xbox Series X games, or just Xbox, whatever the naming scheme is for this console guy, you need to get, if you fill up the terabyte or the half terabyte that's in the digital edition, you need to buy Xbox's proprietary storage to play next-gen games. If your ter- if your external yes. velocity hard drive is filled up, is what I'm learning. That's my understanding. Okay, so yeah, so it really doesn't make the cheaper console worth it ever, unless you like just play Fortnite. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't like something that I've before we before we just quickly before we move on to like talking about the look of the console. Something that I've realized is like, so I, I have an Xbox One X. Um, I had two hard drives hooked up to it. I had every single game that I own, which is a lot because I've been <laughs> reviewing and writing about games for quite some time now, um, installed on those hard drives. And then I realized like, do I really need every game on it? I can kind of just like download what I need to play um, at that given time. Like, But can you download Tony a 100 gig file fast enough to make that reasonable? So that, that's what I was going to get into. I can. I can get like a new game in... I don't know, like an hour or something like that for the most part. But that still like I have fast internet. So I, I have fast internet, so that that's fine for me. And I also don't really play like a wide variety of games anymore. There's like six or seven titles that I kinda kinda rotate through. And then whatever I'm writing about or reviewing. So like that that works for me, but I I, I understand what you're saying, Bennett. Like I I don't think that that's um that that's like a strategy that that would work for everybody. A lot of people would want that whole digital library accessible to them at, at all times. Well, I'm just thinking ahead, like games, you know, are huge hundred gigs roughly now they're going to get bigger and a terabyte's not getting any bigger. So like, you know, in three years, does my Xbox just have like five games on it? And then I have to spend like $200, a hundred dollars, whatever it is to upgrade my storage to then play new games. Like, you know, it's just like kind of an annoying thing this is a lot of like it's console as a service yeah pardon brad <laughs> i was just saying it's a, it's a very expensive hobby unfortunately yeah exactly like it's just getting more and more expensive and like i don't i don't know i just don't like the yeah. idea of like microsoft I- owning this like we need to use our velocity architecture which like i'm sure is fast but is it that much faster than a regular ssd using like top of the line usb ports probably not like but you know that's how we're it's where we're at i guess when you get controlled but yeah, if you want to move on now, that's all I got. So in, in terms of the look of the, the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition, I thought the console looked absolutely ridiculous the first time it was revealed, but I've, I've kind of warmed up to it. And I can appreciate that Sony's kind of taking this this unique approach to it. And and I kind of feel the same way about the new the new game gamepad as well, which unfortunately still doesn't have offset joysticks, so it will drive me crazy when I finally get my hands on it. <laughs> um, 
But uh, I, I guess just to start this off, like, like Bennett, how, how do you feel about the look of the, the PS5? bad i hate it i think it looks ridiculous like it looks like a toy (laughs) it also looks huge like i just don't know where i'm gonna put it like if i was to get one i would be like shoving it like in a corner like trying to hide it like it's got like lights and stuff like i don't know i really liked the ps4 and xbox one like sort of designs in the previous generation like very simple just like a black box under the tv boom good to go like you know like all that stuff hidden but now they're just like no we have this time it's a white box with the popped collar and a blue light and it's also four feet tall so i don't know not down i like the discless one more i guess the lines are like a little more natural than like the pop out of the disc version but either way i'm uh i'm not really down with the new playstation look uh brad what about you yeah i'm not a huge fan of it either you know when it came out um it was all white which is weird because you know the original playstation was gray and then ps2 ps3 and ps4 were all black uh, so it was kind of weird that this is all white. Uh, you know, uh, I saw a lot of people, including myself, sharing that gif from Batman Begins where he's like, does it come in black? Because um, hmm. it, it just seems like it's weird that there's no option for a black console. But I mean, ultimately, a con- what the console looks like is not a big deal. I mean, it's just going under your entertainment stand or your desk or whatever the case is. Uh, I mean, what it does, obviously, is much more important. So it's not really a big deal to me personally. Unless it doesn't fit in your entertainment stand. Yeah, I mean, size is a different thing. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, the the series, I mean, you, uh, the Series X, uh, I'll have to see how that fits in my stand because that looks like quite a tall boy. Yeah, for sure. I think the PlayStation is um, supposed to be like, isn't it supposed to be like five or six inches taller than the Series X? Isn't it quite a bit taller? I don't think it's five or six inches, but it is, it is taller. Okay, okay. Quite, quite taller, actually. Yeah. I am kind of wishing that, you know, those like leaks of the Xbox Series S that were just like a little white cube. Oh, yeah. I wish that was real. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting looking console. Yeah, I think it looked awesome. It looked like a little GameCube, but new and modern in Xbox. So that's a good way to segue into the um, X and S part of the discussion. Uh, we, we got this pricing a little earlier than the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition. So just to set the stage before we delve into talking about them. Uh, the Series S only costs $379. I was pretty surprised by this pricing, but also keep in mind that it's like kind of a, a next-gen half-step to some extent. It is only targeting 1080p and 2K visuals instead of 4K like the Series X, which costs $599 Canadian. I thought that these were really good prices, and I was shocked that the Series X was so cheap. But then when like the PS5 reveal came down the pipeline, it, it didn't look like that good of a price, especially for uh, when you compare it like directly to the PS5 Digital Edition. That particular console also makes the less powerful S a little bit more of a hard sell, I think, for some people. But with, with that in mind, I, I do think that the S has a market. Like, for example, my dad plays a fair amount of video games. He has a really, really nice 1080p TV. He's not going to want to go out and buy a 4K TV. Same thing with with my brother. He has a really, really nice like OLED Samsung television. I was talking to him recently. He, he has no interest in going out and buying a 4K television. If Microsoft's like the, the way that they're presenting these two consoles where they're both next gen, but the X is the 4K system and the S is the system where you get that same graphical experience at a lower resolution. 
if that truly is the case, I think this is like a genius move by the company. I question whether it will actually turn out like that. And I also kind of question how long the Series S will end up hanging, hanging around. Um, so that, that's kind of where I stand on things. But but Brad, uh, how, how did you feel kind of about the pricing of the console when it was initially revealed? Uh, I think the price is great, uh, especially for the S, because uh, for context, that's actually cheaper than the Switch in Canada. Uh, the Switch oh, is really? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the Switch is 400 The Series S is $380. Uh, and the the Xbox One S, uh, just to not get the nomenclature mixed up, the current gen system, you know, that frequently like floats around three hundred ish, give or take, maybe a bit cheaper. Uh, you know, there is the all digital version of that, but you know, it's around the three hundred price range. So for let's let's say roughly a hundred dollars more, you're getting a next gen upgrade uh, with a lot of those benefits and then more importantly again game pass uh is just huge regardless so um yeah i think i think it's a great uh, proposition because you know it's a nice complement to the the other system uh and i think a lot what a lot of people don't really acknowledge is you know you mentioned like your dad with a 4k tv and uh but like i was looking it up yesterday you know data from ihs market which is like one of the research firm global research firms it showed that something like only 34% of Americans uh, had a 4K TV in 2019. Uh, and you figure, and that was actually the higher end of the percentage. It got lower depending on other countries. So, you know, people always talk about wanting the best graphics and blah, blah, blah. And I get that to a degree, right? You want to feel comfortable with the purchase that you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Made, but... The data shows that the majority of people still don't have the devices capable of supporting full 4K resolution. So the Series S is a great option for them, uh, especially because it you know does offer next gen enha- enhancements like load times, better frame rates, and arguably you know those are more important than resolution because uh, it improves how the game actually plays versus how it looks. I mean, you can go back and forth on that, but for some games like shooters and fighting games, it is objectively better, like with the frame rate, right? But you know. The, the Series uh, S is a great proposition for casual people. You know, uh, I used to work in retail and I'd have people come in all the time buying the Xbox One S because it was the cheapest device. And it was basically a good device for Fortnite, Minecraft, even Call of Duty in some degrees, uh, you know, the casual system. So like if you're someone who just wants to buy this for a few games, or even if you're someone who literally doesn't necessarily necessarily care about the highest resolution, but just wants one cheap system you can buy this and then you know pay 69 a month for game pass and you're getting new games every month and you're set really right so uh i think the fact that microsoft is positioning this as an alternative to the series x like you still have that high-end console you still have pc if you want to go even higher end than that but this is a great entry-level system this is a great low-cost option for a lot of people it can be even cheaper too if you go all access 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Uh, just for context, you know, Microsoft is bringing their financing option, which has been available in other countries for I believe about a year now. Uh, it's coming exclusively to EB Games Canada. Uh, we don't have specific Canadian pricing on that yet. Uh, so how in the U.S. for context, it's like twenty four ninety nine a month for the Series S and thirty four ninety nine a month for the uh, Series X, and you basically break that up uh, over a twenty four month period. Uh, and you get Game Pass Ultimate included, so you're really so you don't actually even have to pay the extra, you know, sixty ninety nine a month or whatever for that. Uh, you're just paying that one time monthly fee, and you get a next gen console with Game Pass. So it, it's a great value. We'll yeah, hopefully have cool. pricing soon. I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that we'll have it soon. We've been pushing Microsoft to uh, tell us something at least related to the pricing for all access in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll have we'll have something at some point. Yeah. What were you going to say, Bennett? I, I just, yeah, I think it's cool. I think all access is fun. I don't know if it's necessarily something I would do, but like personally, I feel like I'm going through a bit of like, I was going to say streaming fatigue, but I guess it just is subscription fatigue, you know, like every day I feel like I get an email being like your subscription for this cloud service or your Grammarly or whatever, just like, you know, it's kind of annoying to have all these subscriptions all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if I was a kid in high school and I could pay like 30 bucks a month and just be like, getting a sweet Xbox and like a bunch of games, I'd be doing it for sure. That That's what I was going to say. Like at this point in my life, I would rather just purchase it outright. But like if I was a teenager, the simple like I, I could get we, we don't know the pricing, but say I could get an Xbox Series X for like 40 bucks Canadian a month. And I also get um, Game Pass Ultimate and I have access to every single new first party xbox game including halo infinite like that that is an insane deal if i went like back in time and told my 15 year old self playing halo in a sweaty bedroom with like 10 other people at at a land party that that is what 2020 would look like for microsoft and the xbox brand i I wouldn't believe you like I, i would just assume that that's that's like a lie and something that i made up so it's a pretty ridiculous deal that I'm very glad exists. And I think in some ways it separates uh, Microsoft's new consoles from the strategy that Sony's taking. But but before we like jump into the different approaches to next gen, um, I'm just interested in, in hearing what you guys think about the look of the two consoles. Um, because the, the embargo is lifted, I can now reveal that I, I have an Xbox Series X. I've been using it um, for the last little bit, I, I can't reveal any of my impressions related to the console, unfortunately, or the performance or backwards compatibility or the new games or anything like that. I really like the look of the console. I think it's quite unique. I know that some people compare it a little bit to um, like a tower PC and like I feel that, but but I think it's it's one of the first times, I guess, in the last few console generations where where design looks different in a way that um, I instantly like. And I, I know that Sony kind of went in a very different direction too with the PS5, but and 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 that look has grown on me. But like from the moment I saw the Series X, I was I was really impressed with the design. It kind of takes the the aesthetic language that Microsoft started with the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X and kicks that up a couple notches. And I, I haven't seen the Xbox One S in person yet. I don't like it as much because I'm not a big fan of that like speaker speaker grill on the side that's not a speaker grill obviously it's for for cooling i think it's a little strange and when those leaks came out a couple weeks ago i actually thought that it was just like a fake mock-up of some sort because it it just seemed 
it, it didn't seem in line with the design language that Microsoft's been going with. But with that aside, I think it's 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 a box. You know what I mean? Like Brad was saying this before, these things are just going to sit under your TV. So what they look like really doesn't matter as much as some people um, might might think. But uh, that's enough me babbling about what the consoles look like. Uh, I guess to start, Brad, uh, how, how do you feel about the the look of the the X and the S? Uh, yeah, I mean, same kind of thing. Like I said before, I don't really care too much about how they look. But uh, for the sake of discussion, yeah, I like um, I like them more than how the PS5 looks for sure. Uh, I think, especially with the Series S being the smallest Xbox console of all time, like not even just comparatively smaller than the Series X, but like actually like their smallest system ever. Uh, so much so that you know Phil Spencer was hiding it in his in his office when he was doing all the the press tour a few months ago. People, that was funny, which was amazing. I love how they had that just hiding in plain sight because it's so tiny, just tucked in his little shelf there. But uh, yeah, I think you know just um, from a uh, practicality perspective, it's just it, it's gonna fit nicely in an entertainment stand or on a desk or whatever. Uh, and I do like the I do like the white that Xbox has been going for with those consoles um, for like the. Like the cheaper consoles, uh, like the Series S, the Series, um, the Xbox One S, you know, those have kind of gone white. Whereas uh, the more premium ones, like the the Xbox One X and the Xbox Series X, have gone black. Uh, it's kind of like a nice, subtle way of differentiating them because the name situation, admittedly, is a bit convoluted. So it is nice to kind of have s- things like that that kind of distinguish them more. Bennett, what about you? What do you think of the the look of the two consoles? <clears throat> I think the S is good. I think the size is good. I think most people, uh, the way they have their entertainment center set up and the other things on top of their entertainment center, the S like fits in with that. You know, it's more or less pretty similar to the Xbox One S. Kind of, I think it's supposed to be a little smaller, but pretty similar. Like, you know, that's a good size that you want. It won't take up too much space, but it, like has a good like visual footprint to look at, you know? Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I guess like my thought process is like, you know, I'm sitting on my couch, I'm looking at my TV and I'm looking at my entertainment stand. And for me, that's like very organized cables, like Velcroed up, taped away, trying to be as hidden as possible, as like minimal as possible, um, which like neither the new PlayStation nor the Xbox Series X will fit into. Like none of those will fit into my into my like little TV stand. Series um, X wouldn't fit uh, horizontally. It probably would fit horizontally, but I think it would just be too close to the top of the shelf that it sits oh, on. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, that it would just like look really weird. Like it would throw off the whole sort of feng shui balance of the thing, which I, like I said, I know <laughs> sounds dumb, but like I like having things looking pretty, like having things in my apartment very organized and like looking, you know, the way that I want them to look. Like I'm very much uh, kind of like an OCD about that type of stuff. And I just like, like I was saying, I have this like spot that I can almost like jam a console behind the TV stand. And if I ended up with a new one that wasn't the S, uh, it would probably have to go back there because that's just where it would fit. No, I, I feel you. Um, I, I currently have it sitting on my desk because uh, that's where I have all my consoles. But if I, I if I did have it like in a traditional, a more traditional TV stand, it definitely, it probably wouldn't fit in the one that I have. I would, I would have to put it horizontally. Yeah, it, it would fit that way, but that that's like the only direction. Um, so okay. I, think, I think that's enough about what the, the console looks like. I'm, I'm going to throw this one a little bit more over to, to Brad after I, I kind of introduce it a little bit because I think he has a, a really good understanding of the different approaches these two companies are taking to 
uh, this generation of gaming or not so different in some respects. Like, so on one hand, we have Microsoft banking on the value of Xbox Game Pass to kind of convince people to uh, pick up their consoles, particularly the S, whereas Sony's like all in on 4K and next-gen experiences built from the ground up for the PS5, though we kind of found out that that's not totally the case um brad do you want to do you want to take it from here and, and kind of explain what's what's come out over the last couple of days regarding sony's strategy with with the ps5 yeah so you know xbox has been i think to their credit uh especially because with the start of the xbox one they kind of bungled the messaging in a lot of ways so they've been what i like about phil spencer and his team you know they've been very candid about you know getting it right so to that point you know they've been very honest about the fact that they want next gen and they want games to be cross-gen for the next couple of years, uh, first-party games specifically. So, you know, Halo Infinite uh, is the prime example of that, where it's going to come to Series X and Xbox One at the same time. Uh, and that's kind of their philosophy. They want, you know, kind of, they don't want to leave anyone behind is basically how they're frame, framing it. Um, which, you know, that that is one strategy. Uh, Sony, but you, however, you know, has, has repeatedly said in response to that, that, you know, because some people took issue with that. Uh, there's the idea that, you know, if you're developing for two different systems, for, uh, especially when they're across different uh, generations, that, you know, you're going to be holding back uh, next-gen development. Uh, so, you know, to Sony kind of feeding into that mentality was like, oh, yeah, you know, we believe in generations. We What's the point of making a next-gen console if we're not going to develop it, for it and take full advantage of it, right? So they've been, they've been very much, oh, our stance is we're, not, we're leaving PS4 behind, basically, in terms of, like, major first-party exclusives. However, that's not really been the case. You know, they've been saying that for months, but we found out at their showcase last week that um, some games are going to be cross-gen. And it's a bit confusing because it doesn't necessarily seem clear why some games are and some aren't. So for context, you know, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to be cross-gen. They had previously said it was only for PS5, and now they're saying it's PS5 and PS4. Uh, Obviously, the PS5 version has enhancements like ray tracing, uh, ultra fast loading with the SSD. Uh, so that is cross gen. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, is also going to be cross gen. That's coming next year. Spider Man makes a bit more sense to me because it's not a full fledged sequel. Uh, that is still coming, presumably. Uh, like it's the game sold so well. Of course, that game is coming eventually. We'll get like a proper Spider Man two, uh, and I assume that would be exclusive to PS Five, but. This is more like a like a standalone expansion, uh, so it kind of makes sense that to me that this is just like an incremental upgrade. That that makes sense, but I don't understand why Forbidden West is is cross gen. You know, the idea of getting the Horizon sequel next year, you know, exclusively on PS Five, where it can take full advantage of the hardware, uh, is exciting. But you know, they're not doing that now, despite what they said. But then, you know, to my point of how it's been unclear, the Demon Souls remake is exclusive to PS Five. Uh, that's not coming to PS4. And it was actually, you know, further bungling the messaging. They opened the trailer by saying, oh, this is footage captured from a PC. And then they had to take it down and be like, oh, yeah, it's not coming to PC at all. Uh, so it's been a bit of a, a weird situation with Sony where they were kind of misleading people for several months. Uh, and I just I feel like if they were open about this, you know, when Xbox was doing the same thing, uh a few months ago, it maybe wouldn't have looked so bad. I, I don't know why you would kind of conceal that information for months and then kind of change the narrative now. 
Um, the the demon souls thing was super funny because uh, Dean covered that for us um, during the the PlayStation Five pricing reveal. Mm-hmm. I'm like editing a story. I'm like, oh, this looks good, and I, I click publish, and then I like I go back and take a look at it, and I can see that like instead of the trailer being in the story, it just says that this trailer has been um, <laughs> delisted or whatever from Sony's account. So uh, that was funny, and, and I'm glad that we we finally got a, a real a real answer for that. Um, They've I, also I guess, Sorry, I was just going to say to that point, you know, they were also very cagey about Final Fantasy 16, which, you know, Final Fantasy is my favorite series. So I was and it was rumored that I was going to be there. I was super excited when it was announced. And it said coming uh, the the trail, you know, because companies are very particular about the language they use. So it, it said, you know, coming exclusively to PS5 on console, which made it sound that, you know, OK, it, it's coming to PC eventually. Uh, but then they kind of updated it to remove that. And then neither Square Enix, the publisher, nor Sony have really committed to it coming to other systems. So, like, is it a PS5 game? Is it a PS5 PC game? Is it PS5 Series X? You know, so it would be nice if they were just more upfront about this kind of thing. Uh, it is a bit it, what, confusing. What what strategy do you... Um, what do you prefer? Like, the way that Sony's approaching things, sort of, with, like, this clear division between next-gen and last-gen that isn't entirely that clear? Or uh, the way that that Microsoft's at least like being upfront about how they're approaching next gen and sort of ensuring that at least first party Microsoft games will still be coming out on the Xbox One as well as the new consoles. I think I think I have to go with Microsoft. I mean, neither of these strategies are my exact favorite. Like I love the just briefly, I love the old Xbox One strategy that got fumbled and they turned their back and they're like, we're not doing this anymore. No connect, no voice <laughs> controls, no master of the living room. That I thought was great. I thought that was really smart. I thought it was really forward thinking. But if we're just going for games, I think Xbox probably is going like gonna be a little more I guess I don't want to say successful because I still think Sony's gonna win this generation again. But like Xbox's strategy makes more sense, you know? Like I don't want to have to get rid of my Xbox One X that I spent like five or six hundred bucks buying like two years ago or whatever it was, you know. So being able to play Halo or whatever next gen games on there, apparently not the new Forza, but like most of the next gen games, even though it might be slower or lower resolution, it'll still be enough uh, to get me through. Um, I guess like the question that's like kind of keeps popping up in my mind is like if you had a PlayStation 4 or you had an Xbox One X or whatever, um, and you wanted to upgrade, are you trading in your old console or not? Because like it seems like Xbox, all of your Xbox One games are going to play on the next Xbox, so you really don't need two Xbox consoles in your house. Um, unless you have like two TVs, I guess. But with Sony, it, it kind of seems like you will still need your PlayStation 4 and your PlayStation 5 if you want to play all your games. How does so, the backwards uh- compatibility work? Yeah, so uh, that's a great point. That's also something that Sony's kind of been iffy on the messaging for. Because uh, when they originally, they did that really weird, you know, like GDC talk uh, in March about like specs for the console, which is like the first time they ever like had like a public event uh, to kind of talk about it, which was very weird because it was obviously very developer focused. But that was like the first time they really talked about how uh, backwards compatibility would work. And they were saying that it was basically going to only run like some of the most popular titles for PS4. But so everyone's like, what? But then they like backtracked and they're like, no, 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 it's going to be, we expect the overwhelming majority of PS4 games to be backwards compatible. But since then they haven't really said, said more about that. And the PS5 event didn't really elaborate much. What they did, which is really cool, admittedly, is they're doing something called the PlayStation Plus collection, which basically 
it's kind of a nice way to counter Game Pass in a sense, though still not as many games as Game Pass, to be clear. But the idea is that at no additional cost, they're adding this perk to PlayStation Plus uh, that, you know, you pay for uh, to play online and you get free games with that you get 15, uh, about 15 PS4 games, like some of the most popular PS4 games like God of War, Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Remastered, uh, and you'll be able to play them day one on your PS4, of your PS5, uh, and just download them through through that. So that it's kind of giving you a greatest hits collection of backwards compatible titles right from the get-go. So again, it's not as extensive as Microsoft's by any stretch, but it is a nice way to kind of be like, oh, here are like objectively like the biggest games from the system, uh, you know, some of the most popular ones, and you can play them right away. But in terms of how backwards compatibility, sorry, backwards compatibility works beyond that, um, they haven't really talked much about it. Whereas Xbox has very, been very clear about, you know, thousands of games from the previous generations. So uh, we kind of have to wait and see with Sony. But the fact that they have that at launch with the PlayStation Plus uh, collection is is pretty cool, I think. The last thing that I wanted to to, to talk about before we kind of wrap things up, we're, we're making really good time for, for once, <laughs> which is great, <laughs> is just sort of the, the launch lineups for, for both consoles. I think... For the first time ever, there's really nothing across the board that really appeals to me on either the Xbox Series X or S or the PS5. Um, I know that that's like a a personal thing. Like, Brad, you're going to talk about the games that you're excited for in a second. Um, I know Miles Morales is a big thing for you. Um, But like for me, like even looking at the Xbox, like I, I grew up in Xbox person like that that's what i always played games on primarily a lot of the stuff that's coming out is like cross-generational so i'll probably play watchdogs legion i'll probably played assassin's creed valhalla on on um the series x on the ps5 side of things there's there's really nothing that's like exclusive that i'm super interested in in either to me these seem like really really weak launch lineups just across the board um, Brad, how, how do you how do you feel about um, the launch lineups of both both consoles? Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's no secret that Xbox had all their eggs in the Halo basket, pretty much. That was the marquee. Yeah. Uh, that was Infinite. a huge blow for me. Yeah, Halo Infinite was supposed to be day one, and that was very intentional. You know, it harkens back to the original Xbox, which also launched with the original Halo, and this game is trying to emulate the, the nostalgia from the first Halo. So it was a very nice kind of like, uh, poetry, uh, it rhymes kind of thing. Uh, and they don't have that now. So that was really the only major exclusive that they have uh, at launch. Uh, what It's or interesting ever. because <laughs> because Microsoft <laughs> is is really selling the the next console as uh, on the on the prospect of game pass and backwards compatibility, uh, and especially how the two work hand in hand. Uh, like, for example, you know, every Gears game, every Halo game is on Game Pass. You can play those on your Series X or Series S with enhancements all through that one packet, uh, that one price. You're not paying any extra for those. Uh, and that's really how they're kind of selling the system for now. I mean, to be clear, they do have some things like Gears Tactics, for example, which is only on PC at the moment. That's a day one launch title uh, that's co-developed by the Coalition in Vancouver, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then they have a lot of indie games, which are exclusive, like The Medium, which is a horror game uh, featuring Troy Baker, uh, who is in like every game ever. Uh, 12 Minutes, which is a really cool game that has Daisy Ridley, James McAvoy and Willem Dafoe in it. Uh, it's like a Christopher Nolan kind of thriller. 
that's exclusive as well, but that's uh, cross-gen. So they have a lot of like cool little indie games. Uh, I guess the big one, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, randomly, yeah, is, that's true. is timed exclusive to Series X. Uh, it's weird because it is coming to PS4, uh, as far as I understand, at the same time. But if you want to play it on PS5, you have to wait longer. It's got timed. It's so got weird. It's got timed next gen exclusivity, which is the weirdest thing to me, especially because Yakuza is a series that's only recently come to Xbox through Game Pass. Uh, it's historically never really been an Xbox franchise. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much how they're selling the system. For, versus, you know, PlayStation. Again, you know, m- announcing that some of these games are cross gen really takes the wind out of the sailors. Like. They had a really good thing going where if you want to play a brand new Spider-Man experience, to be fair, it is a shorter experience, but still, that doesn't matter to the average person. It's still, it would still sell millions and millions of copies. Uh, and I guess to that point, they kind of want to, you know, get have their cake and eat it too, where they want to maximize sales on current gen, because, you know, obviously the install base for the PS4 is astronomical. So I get it from that perspective, but at the same time, it also devalues the PS5 because there's nothing other than Demon Souls, which... Granted, it looks good. I'm sure it'll be great. You know, the Souls franchise is definitely more niche than Spider-Man. Uh, that so, game sounds like my worst nightmare yeah. from everything I've read about. So it's just, you know, at launch, uh, it's just there's not really a must-buy system, uh, like system seller for either system. Uh, there are a lot of cool things if you want to dive into them. Like for someone like me, even if, you know, I would buy a PS5 just to get a, a better like the best version of Spider-Man, just because I'm a hardcore Marvel fanboy, right? So I would do that. But, you know, to the average person, I had two friends tell me, especially one who's just as big of a Spider-Man fan as me, he messaged me while he was watching the event live, and he's like, oh, it's coming to PS4. I'm not going to buy a PS5 now. I'll just play Marvel Mar- Miles Morales on my PS4. And that's a valid several, response, right? I have several like, friends that aren't going to be getting, or they were planning on getting a Series X that are no longer buying one, simply because... They can play Halo, not not because. So they were going to get a Series X because they they wanted to have like the best Halo Infinite experience. But now the Halo Infinite's not coming in 2020. They're like, oh, I can just hold off and wait a little bit and like get it when Halo Infinite's coming out. So there's also like even that side of like deciding to wait a little bit um, on, on the Xbox side of things. Yeah, and I think with with Xbox, you know. Uh... Bennett kind of joked about it you know it's it's true you know Xbox One hasn't really had a lot in the way of exclusives but to their credit you know they've invested they have they now have uh 23 when you factor in the Bethesda deal which is going to uh, finalize next year they're gonna have 23 uh first party studios which is more than Sony has uh it's it's more and, and most of those have been acquired in the last couple years so you know when it comes to commitment to games like they're they're very much into it. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people like to hate on Xbox, especially because they're like the third place uh, in terms of like when they came into gaming. Uh, you know, obviously Nintendo has been around the longest, then Sony, then Xbox. So there's always kind of been that resistance to Xbox. And to that point of, you know, they have no games, but like you can't make games overnight, right? You know, Pat and I, we've talked about this. Uh, you know, they've invested heavily in first party, but it takes at least, you know, depending on the scope of the game, of course, but, you know, two, three, four years, especially if it's a new IP, to make a new game. So it's like, I think Xbox has done, taken all the right steps to show people that, hey, we are committed to games, right? Um, you'll have to wait for it, though, because game doesn't development doesn't happen overnight. But, you know, we are in it for the long haul. Yeah, so, uh, Bennett, is, is there anything in either console's launch lineup that really stands out to you as, like, 
a game that you're excited to play on one of the new systems? No, nothing first party, you know, like I'm, I'm interested to see if like cyberpunk 2077 can like, you know, pull off all that it's promised or, you know, if dirt five looks as good as digital foundry made it seem in this YouTube video I watched a few days ago. But, uh, in terms of like games, you know, like even the fact that most of these games are coming out on my like Xbox one X, I don't think I'm buying any of them. Maybe like Assassin's Creed or watchdogs or cyberpunk if they're like super good. Um, but like none of these games, especially none of these games that are specifically next gen have like caught my eye. The bigger thing it makes me think about is just like, when do I buy a next gen console? And is it ever, you know, like I have an Xbox one X, it does 4k i'm assuming you'll be able to do 2k games as games get more intense and maybe like maybe a balance will split with that but like when do i really need to upgrade from that you know especially if i don't have like an 8k 120 hertz tv which as we talked about with the uh saturation of 4k tvs we know that that's just like yeah that's why uh you know i mentioned it a bit but the fact that horizon 2 isn't exclusive is i again i i boggles my mind i don't because that you know, Spider-Man, again, it's a smaller title. Sure, that, that makes sense, you know, as, as like kind of kind of like a, a taste of what next gen offers, uh, but it's also on current gen. But I, I don't like Horizon should have been fully PS5. I, I don't I don't get that choice. Uh, I guess the, the, the big, you know, uh, question mark next year will be God of War supposedly coming next year. Uh, they that game had a really quick turnaround. I mean, assuming it's not delayed, it'll be in about three years. So that makes me worry now. Like, is that going to be cross gen too? They haven't said so. Like, but I think that would be. But I mean, I think that would be a good. Like, if that was hypothetically only PS Five, that would be a good system seller, uh, especially because, yeah, yeah, because the 20, 2018 game was the game of the year. It was like one of the best selling PS Four games. Like, that would be a good way to get people to buy a ps5 but again because their messaging has been kind of mixed right now it's it's hard to say <laughs> like like with the 360 and and i think it's just the 360 issue more than the ps3 issue but like we had to go from that generation you know games were coming like split across four discs and they were like put in these two discs install them go upside build a little halo shrine in your backyard come back hopefully you can play this halo game in your 360 and like you know we were hitting like graphical and like console limitations then I don't know if we're really hitting them anymore. I am looking forward to playing Rise Son of Room 2 exclusively on the Xbox Series X. That's <laughs> not actually happening or coming out, but I have a lot of love for that game. Like that, that was. I saw an article the other day talking about how it's still one of the best looking Xbox games out. Well, I mean, to that point of, you know, games developed exclusively for next gen, uh, you know, Arkham Knight is a good example of that. The Batman game, uh, Rocksteady, you know, made the last two Batman games on last gen, uh, so 360 and PS3. Uh, but then they said they were only making it for next gen because they needed to focus on, like, they needed that hardware to 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 power it. And it, and it shows. It's still, uh, you know, you said Rise is still one of the best looking games. Uh, Arkham Knight is still, I, I would say, one of the best looking games this generation. It's just, it's a very stunning game. Uh, and you know, if if they had to do it cross gen, who's to say it would have? come out that way so you know there is there is value in that's sure. true um but i think a lot of people make a, a bigger deal out of the cross-gen thing from the perspective of holding games back just because you know it's a lot of armchair anal analysis like I, I was reading a lot of trying to get a better idea of it last night you know a lot of developers initially at least did tweet okay 
uh, you know, having to work with the two SKUs is going to be a bit challenging. However, like, you know, other developers, you know, and Xbox themselves have, have pointed out, like, the, the tool set with the Series S is a lot better this time around. So it, it, it does allow scaling between the two systems a lot easier. Uh, so it, it, it shouldn't hamper necessarily as much as people say it would. And, and of course, you know, developers have the choice to support what they want to. Like, if they just want to make a game for Series X, then they can. They don't have to support both. Third party, at least. Well, I feel like they have to now, just based on a stall base. Like, I mean, if you're a developer, well, I mean, you can't walk away from Xbox One and PS5 right now just because you know I mean, people play they're already game, doing but... it, though. At, at launch, some of the, like, the medium game that I mentioned, uh, which is coming straight to Game Pass, that's only Series X. It's not uh, the other consoles. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it would be a case-by-case basis. So I think I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Let's uh, very quickly just talk about the different things that we're playing right now. I am playing a lot of stuff that I can't talk about yet, and that, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Bennett, are you... Are you... Oh, I picked up Fallen Order the other day. Like, I already owned it. Sorry, I, like, started playing again. I'm, like, stuck trying to get to the top of the Wookiee tree. It's just, like, this taking forever. It's still there. Brad, what have you been playing? Yeah, I've been playing... Uh, I played the first two, or the most recent Hitman games uh, recently. Uh, they were on sale. Uh, you could play... You could buy all of the first Hitman games as... Uh, maps and add them to hitman 2 uh like for a small fee and they have all the enhancements whatever so yeah i went through both hitman games those were really fun uh huge huge sandboxes with so many different ways to approach stealth uh they're just really fun they've got this like kind of dark twisted sense of humor especially in the second game agent 47s because i mean he's still pretty stoic and quiet but he does have he does kind of like allude to the fact that he's going to kill them but with like kind of dark humor it's uh yeah uh, and goofy outfits and stuff like it's it's a really really fun uh pair of games and hitman 3 is coming to next gen and i think current gen 2 in january so so that's it thanks for listening to the servecast be sure to drop us a review on itunes it really helps with the rankings of the show you can find me on twitter at at patrick underscore o'rourke and of course on mobileserp.com bennett where can people find you uh, you can find me anywhere at the Bradfad. Uh, that's like Twitter, Instagram. I think like my Reddit account might be that Xbox Live. You know, if you want to game with me, uh, Steam, all that stuff, the Bradfad. Um, and then, of course, on MobileSyrup.com or our YouTube channel. I'm there. And then uh, what about you, Brad? Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. And of course, on MobileSyrup.com. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 